Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. You are listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction Blog Talk Radio Show, founded to increase the national awareness of black women in the construction industry. NABWIC is the charge and takes the charge for black women to advocate for further opportunities to its members. Our mission as a core foundation is to strengthen the building blocks of new educational, entrepreneurial, professional, and social network connections. The vision of NABWIC is to build long-lasting strategic partnerships with first-rate organizations and individuals that will provide groundbreaking and innovative solutions for black women in construction and their respective communities. We invite you to call or text or email family, business associates, or friends and tell them that we are on the air right now. Or they can join us on the Internet by logging in to www.blogtalkradio.com slash N-A-B-W-I-C or by phone at 714-459-3918 and press 1 to join our conversation with questions or comments. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and as always, welcome to NAPWIC Talk Wednesdays. My name is Jada Williams, and of course, I'm your host today. I am the National NAPWIC Radio Chair, and I just ask you this morning to just listen in with us, follow and like, share um, our content on your social media platforms as well as head over to our website, www.navwick.org, to find out more about the organization and see what's coming up next. So this morning on NAVWIC Talks, Back by Popular Demand, is our, our two-part series with what to consider when starting a business and with our popular guest, Mr. Les Moore, recording, uh, we will be listening in to that this morning. But before we head over to the recording, I'd just like to give you a quick update that we, of course, as you always know, we have our NABWIC Wednesday, NABWIC Talks Wednesday. We also have our monthly billion-dollar luncheon, which is coming up um, Wednesday um, in uh, I'm so sorry this morning. I'm so excited, but our next NABWIC Billion Dollar Luncheon is coming up, and I cannot wait to share those opportunities with you. So, again, let's get to it and go ahead and get this show started with listening in to Mr. Les Moore. It's me great pleasure to welcome our guest, guest presenter this morning, um, Mr. Les Moore. Les um, is the president and CEO of Moore CPA Taxes, tax and accounting firm. And um, he's a company's founder who started his professional career in 1975 with Deluxe and Tush in their tax department. And his clients were <clears throat> small to medium-sized businesses and individuals in areas of tax planning, tax compliance, and accounting services. Following that stint with Dillard and Tush, he joined the Unisys Corporation as an international tax analyst before leaving to start his own accounting firm. 
which he later sold and relocated to Florida, where he joined um, the firm of Grand Company in Boca Raton and remained there until 2004, when the company underwent an organizational change. Um, having left, he started his own business, but he continued his relationship with um, Graw as a consultant for tax services. Um, Les holds a CPA license in Florida, and he has his Master of Taxation degree and a Master of Certificate specialization in entrepreneurship from Nova Southeastern University. As part of his commitment toward providing clients with the most current tax law information, he maintains a membership in both the American and Florida Institute of Certified Public Accountants and National Society of Tax Professionals. He also attends various seminars throughout the years in order to stay abreast with current tax and accounting developments. Les also is very involved in civic duty and he, um, he actually trains kids in soccer. I think he has probably over 150 kids who he works with among other civic duties. So it is my great pleasure to welcome Mr. Les Moore. Take it from me, Les, thank you so much. Oh, wow, that was a nice introduction. Thank you, Esther. Good morning, ladies, and, and thank you for um, inviting me to be part of your meeting this morning. Um, as I look to share with you um, how to start a business in Florida primarily, but you know, whether it's Florida or any, any um, would it be Florida or any state? the ideas are the same it's just about the local side of it what you do differently but federal wise national wise the process is the same so um you know many of you are small business owner i presume or looking to be small business owners and you know most time as small business owners and minorities we just don't get the proper um, information and how to start businesses. And that's one of the reasons why I do what I do. You know, I, I graduated from college. I started out at Deloitte. Well, before going to college, I actually started my tax career at H&R Block, um, which is what led me to taxation because I was an accounting major and discovered taxes and got really excited and never looked back. And I ended up at Deloitte back in the 80s um, as when everyone said, oh, there's no way you could get into Deloitte because they never hired directly into the tax department. Well, I, I changed that. So while I was at Deloitte, I realized that, um, you know, small business like myself and you could not afford a company like Deloitte to do their accounting and taxes because unless you have like $100,000 or more in accounting fees, you just would even get looked at. And that goes for Pricewaterhouse, PriceCoopers, and the rest of those big firms, and even some of those medium-sized firms that are out there, like, um, um, I went blank on the other one, but I'll come back to it, um, which my daughter works for, um, McGladry. You know, even, even a firm which is more like a national 
those are expensive. So I decided I wanted to create my own business, start my own business by putting together a H&R block, but not at that lower end and a Deloitte. So I find that middle ground where I could create a firm that catered to small business, um, small, primarily minority business, but any small business really. And it has brought me success. Um, I started out in Philadelphia, you know, I was in UNICEF and they laid off 3000 people. Um, and I was one of those 3000 and I walked out of there and started my business the same day. Um, and never looked back and it's been 30 plus years and I'm still doing it. And every one of my friends who I graduated told me I've lost my mind because the big firms are gonna eat me alive. Well, I've never been hungry one day to this day. And the big firm have not eaten me alive. I've, as a matter of fact, I have been able to, to, to bring clients from big firm into my, into my company because of the, the service they get, the, the attention that I pay to them. And they're not just paying big fees and never know who the person they're working with. So with that said, I will move into the topic, okay? So starting a business, first you need to have an idea. Uh, you know, we all know that we need to have an idea and decide, you know, what, how we want to approach it. But, but so let's say we get all the business plan together. We know what our ideas are. The next step is registering your business. Because most cases, most people start a business and they don't register it. Okay, because everyone, you can start a business and don't register it. And you can be a sole proprietorship, just, you know, word them out, put some advertising out there on social media, especially in these days, and start a business and it's not registered. Because as a sole proprietorship, you don't have to be registered. You can be a consultant and just start a business as long as you pay your taxes and file your tax returns, it doesn't matter. But the issue with starting a business as a sole proprietorship, it comes with a lot of risk. And there's no protection for you if, if you do it like that. So the five factors that you need to consider when starting a business before you even choose the type of entity that you'd like to, you would like to, um, to, to, to start with you have to look at liability, and that's always the number one concern, legal liability. And that's where most people get in trouble most times because they never think of the protection. And when you're in a high-risk environment, say a doctor or, or someone pockets, you have to protect yourself or you have significant assets before you start your business. So you have to look at the legal liability implications of starting. Um, you know, otherwise you find yourself down the road doing it and something comes up, you get sued and you have no protection and you're scrambling, trying to find lawyers, paying a lot of fees, trying to protect you, which is too late in most cases. Okay, so legal liability is the number one thing you must look at before you start a business. How much liability do I, do I have? And even if your liability is minimal, you still need to protect yourself because you just don't know, okay? Um, it, it's cheaper to do it early 
and to try to find a lawyer after something happened. And in most cases, it's too late. Because if you start moving assets around to protect yourself, then it becomes an illegal transaction. And then it becomes costly and painful. The, next, the, ne the second thing that you need to think about is tax implications. You know, what are my taxes going to look like when I start a business? What type of entity do I need to consider? You know, how does it affect uh, my personal tax returns? Um, you know, what kind of tax rate, I'm, um, what kind of tax rate I'm going to have? So you have to look at, which is everybody concerns these days is, I don't want to pay a lot of taxes. So therefore, you need to find a business that minimizes taxation, allows you to do tax planning, um, and 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 to to be able to to pay for expenses and to, to be able to reduce your taxes, um, employee benefits, that type of stuff. So tax implication is very important. So those are the two top things that you need to consider. Then you need to look at the cost of starting the business. You know, what is it going to cost me to get the business going and the record keeping? And, and, and you have to look into those because you don't want to get into something that you don't have the capital to do it and you get halfway through and you have to shut it down. Like some builders out there you see start a project, start building a shopping center, and one-third way through, they have to shut it down because they never think of the capital needed to, to finish the project. And there's a lot of those out there around the country. The next thing you need is flexibility. You need to choose an entity that gives you flexibility. Um, you know, be in, and flexibility in terms of how you handle um, the funds coming in and out of the business. And not all business give you that flexibility, and we'll get into that as we get a little bit further in the presentation. So you, you, you definitely need some flexibility, okay? And the next, the next thing, your future needs. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, when you start your business, you want to look down the road off expanding your business and how will the business help you if you do XYZ down the road. So you have to think about the future. You can't just um, just start and not think about where am I going to go from here. You know, this is step one, but five years down the road, where am I going to be? What am I going to do? Because, you know, when I started out my business, you know, I walked out of UNICEF and started my business with one client, one finger client, and that was back in 1990, paying me $50 a month for bookkeeping. And everybody really thought I lost my mind. But guess what? I built that business to 400 plus clients and sold it to the same people that taught me how to do taxes, H&R Block, and, and head off to Florida. That's how I end up here in Florida, you know, because H&R Block was inspirational in what I did and you know, the same regional director who was overseeing my, 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 my division is the same people that showed up at my office to do the due diligence when I sold my business to them. So don't listen to the naysayers that say you can't do something, okay? I'm here to tell the story every day, okay? And, you know, 
I, if I had to look back again, I would, have, I would do the same thing today that I did 30 plus years ago, okay? All right, so next we're gonna talk about registering your business. So if you're in the state of Florida, uh, once you decide which direction you wanna go and what, and what gives you the best legal protection, uh, next slide please, yes. Either before you register, you have to decide which type of business structure you want to form. And, the, and, the, and the, it's either an LLC, a corporation, a partnership, or a proprietorship. As I said before, sole proprietorship are easy to form, okay? Very much easy to form. Um, partnerships also easy to form. A sole proprietorship is one person, it just takes you. A partnership, there are to be two people, okay? The issues with those two entity continuation if something was to happen to you, it becomes a problem, okay? It's hard to continue those business because for a partnership, you need two people. So if one person dies, your partnership automatically um, liquidates at that time, okay? A sole proprietorship, same thing. You know, it's hard to continue or to have somebody just step in and take over. So it, uh, it doesn't give you a lot of flexibility. And the tax implication of those are also not the best way to go, and I will get more into that. So your two choices, your two best choice when forming a business is either whether you want to be an LLC or a corporation, okay? Uh, with an LLC, your name ends with the word LLC, your business names. With a corporation, it can end with the word corporation or INC, okay? But that determines whether you are, what whether you're an LLC, a limited liability company, or a corporation, okay, depending on how the name of your business ends. So once you decide the structure you want to set up, you register with the state. And in, um, um, in Florida, you go to sunbiz.org if you know how to do it yourself, or you find an attorney, or you find a CPA who's competent in setting up this kind of stuff, okay. So, you, you know, once you register with SunBiz, you register your name, but first you have to make sure the name that you're registering um, does not, not be used by someone else. And you can do that by going to sunbiz.org and, and do a name search and see what, if there are similar names to you or exact name. And if the name is similar, the state will come back and tell you you have to do, make an, a slight adjustment. So a lot of times when you do that and something come back, I will add like a Florida or, you know, instead of using the word services, you use the word group. There are different ways to fix the name and keep your main, your main name together. So once you do that and the, the state basically decide to, to register you, incorporate you, it, for LLC, you'd file what is called an article of organization for a corporation, you'd file an article of incorporation. Okay, so their the terminologies, they mean the same. Once the state grants you the status, then the next step is for you to determine your tax status. Now, this is where it becomes confusing. You know, I get clients all the time come and say, hey, I register a business and I'm an S-Corp. You're not an S-Corp by registering with the state. You only can be one of two things. You can either be an LLC, a, or a corporation. You have no tax status at that point. 
until you decide which how you want to be taxed. Now, you can also register a fictitious name, which is have no protection whatsoever, which is what most sole proprietorships do. They register a fictitious name. But it gives you no protection, and it doesn't stop anyone from taking your name away. A sole proprietorship, you, if you go in and look at fictitious names, you can find 10 businesses in your same community with the same name, and it doesn't matter. The only way you protect your name, and nobody else can use it, is through a LLC or a corporation. Okay? So... Once you get one of those status, the next thing is to determine your tax status. Now, we'll start with LLC, because these days those are the most popular. And there's two types of LLC. You can be a single-member LLC or you can be a multi-member LLC. A single-member LLC is just like a sole proprietorship with protection. That's the only difference. So you would file, if anyone's familiar with being a sole proprietor, you'd file a Schedule C and a 1040, okay? So that's your status. So the, if you want to get around, if you're a, sing, if you're a single member LLC and you want to get around being a sole proprietorship, the thing that you have to do is to make an election to be either a corporation, a C corporation, or an S corporation, okay? And the most popular and the most beneficial and the most flexible between the C and the S Corp is the S Corporation. So the way I get around getting my clients who are a single member LLC to become a, an entity and get away from being a sole proprietorship is to elect to be an S Corporation. And in order to do that, you have to file a form with the IRS and the IRS does to approve it and give you S Corporation status. Now, in, and I'll come back to that and address that a little bit more. In a, in a LLC, as I said before, you can be a single member or a multi-member. If you're a single member, you're a sole proprietorship. If you're a multi-member, your other option, you can be a partnership, okay? Partnership taxation is not very, is not the most, um, the best tax structure because a partnership pay taxes on their entire net profit, it passes through to the owner, but in addition to that, because you're the working person in the business or working partners, you also have to pay social security taxes on your entire business um, profit, on the entire business profit, just like a sole proprietorship. And those are, that's one of the big tax disadvantage of being a sole proprietorship in a partnership, because the income that flows through to, in your personal return for tax purposes is subject to two levels of taxation, federal income tax and social security and Medicare taxes. And the way to get around that is to become a S corporation where you control your taxation. That's where the flexibility comes into play, okay? It, it, let's say you have a business and you made $200,000, okay? but I don't want to pay taxes on $200,000, so you pay yourself a salary. Let's say half of that, okay? And that's where that S corporation gives you that flexibility, and only the portion in, that you pay your salary is subject to Social Security Medicare taxes. The rest of the profit is only subject to federal income taxes, and that's where that type of entity becomes tax, 
tax adv advantageous and flexible. In a, in a sole proprietorship, you'd pay Social Security taxes up to the maximum and, and, and the partnership would be the same, okay? Now, if, because there are multiple partners in a partnership, you make $200,000, then the whole 200,000 would be subject to Social Security at approximately 15.3%. So you'd be saving 15.3% by having an S-Corp versus a partnership versus a sole proprietorship by the way you manage and the salary structure that you set for yourself and, and, and the flexibility that the S corporation gives you um, in terms of um, what is taxed and how, how, the, how the money flows. And so also in an S corporation, you can have up to a hundred shareholders, okay? Um, there's no taxation at the corporate level all profits pass through to you, the shareholder. And that's where that flexibility and it's all about tax planning. So it gives you the flexibility to tax plan. Now let me also go back and say something about a limited liability company. One of the legal protection that you get from a limited liability company is limited liability. But in addition to that, a limited liability company for members only, there's no stock, okay? So because there's no stock, um, a creditor who you have a problem with cannot jump in and join your, your limited liability because there's no stock for them to petition the court to get. It's for members only. And if you're not a member, you can't be a part of it. And that's where the limited, what, what made the limited liability company popular starting back in the, the late 80s um, until now and get more and more popular each year. You know, it's rare that you see somebody setting up a business and is doing a corporation or anything else other than the LLC. And if they did, they did it themselves and they didn't know what to do. Okay? But if you make that mistake, you can also convert from a corporation to an LLC. Those options are also available. But that's one of the key distinctions between a corporation and an LLC. In a corporation, the and when I say corporation, I mean a C corporation, because if you're an LLC and you elect to be an S corp, it doesn't make you a corporation where, where, um, where creditors can join. It takes away that because the LLC overrules the tax status. Okay. It's the way you set up with the state that matters in a, in a C corporation, in a corporation, creditors can petition the court to, to, to own your stock, and become um, one of your, your, your shareholders. And that wouldn't be good because they could basically run your company, okay? They could, be, they could become the major shareholder with more than 51% and run your company. So, you know, with all that being said, you know, the best status for you to use is being an S corporation, be an LLC, the flexibility and the things we talked about, um, the tax implications, the liability protection, uh, the cost and maintenance, very inexpensive. To set up an LLC in, in Florida is $138.75. That's what it costs for registering a, a, a LLC in the state of Florida. And then each year, um, $125, pardon me, let me back up, $125 to set it up. 
and then each year you have to renew your registration, and then that registration cost is $138.75 to register your company each year. So um, now I'll touch on C Corp a little bit. I talked about sole proprietorship and, and partnership. C Corp, there's no limit on shareholders. But the big issue with, with um, C Corporation is double taxation. There's no flexibility in taking the money from your, your, your own business using a C Corporation. And the only way you can take money out of your business is through salary or dividend, okay? The big disadvantage, if you take it as a dividend, it's not, it's not a tax deduction. So the money you're taking, you're paying taxes on it. You take a salary, you pay taxes on it. So that's where that double taxation comes in because you can either take salary or dividend. The more salary you take, the more social security taxes you pay, the more Medicare taxes you pay. As an S corporation, you can take a dividend, but it's not subject to taxation for Social Security or S-Corp purposes. And that's where that flexibility comes in again. So you take a salary and you can also take a dividend, which we call a distribution of profits. Same thing in the C-Corp. C-Corp is a distribution of profits, otherwise called a dividend. And in an S-Corp, that is not subject to Social Security Medicare taxes. In a C-Corp, it would not be a tax deduction. So therefore you're paying taxes on it in the corporation. And those are the differences you'll find between limited liability, partnership, S-Corp, C-Corp, sole proprietorship. Um, you know, if you need to know more, I'd be glad to discuss with anyone who's interested. Also on my, on my website, there are various articles. You can also subscribe to my monthly newsletters and you'll get a lot of tax information each month, um, updates and different things regarding you know, your tax issues. Okay, is, is there any question on any of the things? Does, does anybody want to ask a question or have any concern or anything you heard that you've been waiting to get an answer to? I'd be glad to answer that. Hi, this is Aida. Yes, ma'am. Question about the, the form that you need to complete for the IRS. Yes. Does that form, do you have to put in what the salary will be on that no. form? No, it's a simple form. It's a form okay. 2553. Okay, okay, 2553. And it's basically asked for the name of the, 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 the organization. Um, the, okay, let me back up one step I missed, even though it's in the notes. After receiving your, your, your registration from the state, you have to get a federal tax ID number, which is an EIN. Okay, because that's important. Just like our social, the IRS only knows us by that number. And we'll only know your business by that number. So uh, back to the 2553 asks you basically for your name, the business name address, tax ID number, when the business was formed, where it was formed. And when do you want your S corporation status to be effective? And that's the more technical part of it if you don't understand how to do it because you have to know, you know, where, when it needs to be effective. If you, if you file this right away when you set up a business, it's effective as of the date the, 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 the Florida gives you your status. If you, if you have up to 75 days to file that form and, and, and make it retroactive to the day when 
the IRS, um, I mean, the state grantee your status. After 75 days, you can still get that status retroactive, but that comes on the various exceptions of the tax code. And you'd have to know that in order to be able to do that. So, you, you know, you can do it, but you gotta be certain what are you putting on the form. And the main thing is the effective date of the escort. But the rest of it is pretty simple, straightforward, other than the effective date. Okay, okay? thank you. Any other questions? We are so excited to have you listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction blog talk radio show. Please call, text, or email family, business associates, or friends and tell them that we are on the air right now. Or they can join us on the Internet by logging in to www.blogtalkradio.com slash NABWIC or by phone at 714-459-3918 and press 1 to join our conversation with questions or comments. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Don't forget to follow us by liking our page and post your questions or comments. NABWIC's intent is to always go into the high schools and colleges to encourage our young black girls and women to enter into the construction industry and to take interest into the STEM programs that are offered. We encourage you to listen to this show or past shows on the Internet by logging in at www.blogtalkradio.com slash N-A-B-W-I-C. Thank you, and we're back. Today's show is brought to you by Ann McNeil, the master builder, building stronger and better lives and businesses and by PepsiCo Frito-Lay Company, one of the largest food and beverage companies in the world, and by J. Perry & Associates, giving you the building blocks to grow your business. If you're joining us online, be sure to visit their websites, which are listed in the online description for this week's show. To learn more about our advertising rates and packages for NABWIC Talks, contact Jada Williams at area code 786-702-1005 or email blogtalk at nabwick.org. And don't forget to follow us on Blog Talk Radio by visiting blogtalkradio.com slash Thank you, and we're back. Any other questions? Um, yes. Um, Les, one of the issues that um, some of our members have is after going, if I, I'm not sure, having gone through all of that, um, how they go about their financial maintaining proper financial records to, um, for whatever purpose, whether for um, tax, tax reporting purposes or to get, to get a contra contract. So if you could speak on that a bit. Well, the, next, the next thing we're going to get into, we're going to talk about licensing and then we're going to talk about separating business and personal assets. Okay. And I, and I guess I'll address that in the, the um, separating business and personal assets, because that's where it becomes important as to, as to um, being able to segregate your business from you. So when you, as a business, you apply for a loan or apply for minority status, whatever it is, 
there's information that is needed financially. In most cases, most businesses don't have the information, but I'll get to that. So once you determine, once you, you, you set up your business, then you have to determine what licenses you need for state and local purposes. So depending on what county, what city you live in, you have to determine a license if you need a license. In most cases, service business, you just need most likely a county license. If you're a restaurant or something like that, you're going to need more licenses. Um, with the state, you'll need a restaurant license. And if you're talking about selling alcohol and tobacco, that's another story. And, and you need additional licenses there. So those you can find from your local uh, Florida Department of Revenue do a pretty good job on that. Um, your local Chamber of Commerce can provide you with information in that, or you can also do searches. These days, everything is on Google. So you Google your county or your state or your city that you're in, and it will provide you with information of what you need to do. Or you find a, a, a qualified CPA accountant, not just a tax preparer, guys. The biggest mistake most of us make all the time, we go to a tax preparer. The reason why, and I'm not saying anything negative about tax preparer, but when I was working with H&R Block while I was in college, I was just a tax preparer. I didn't have this kind of knowledge. I could, I could knock out 1040s from here to wherever. I was very good at it. 1040 is not it. If you want, if somebody who wants to help small business, a guy who just prepared 1040 is not going to do, do, do what you need to get done. The guy needs to understand how to prepare a corporate return. And most times I look at most corporate returns, they, they fill out the P&L side of it and they never complete the balance sheet. And, and because they think they're doing a schedule C and it's not. And that's when I know that someone is not having, if you have a, a, a corporation or S corp and you look on your return and the balance sheet is not completed, then you don't have the right person working with. It obviously they don't know how to do a balance sheet. And I've seen tons of that. People paying lots of money to get their tax return done and the guy cannot complete a balance sheet. Or if he, do, if he does complete the balance sheet, you have $20,000 negative in receivable. No, you can't have negative receivable, okay? If you have negative receivable, it's either somebody prepay you the money, which should be prepaid revenue, and it just tells you that they don't know or negative inventory. You can't have negative inventory. So I've seen all kind of crazy stuff over the years, and that's when you know you don't have the right person. So you need somebody who can guide you and point you in the right direction. Otherwise, when you, for the things Esther is talking about, when you present those documents, you know, to get loans and to get registered as a, as, as a, as a minority business, they look at it and they shake their head like, I don't understand this. The documents have to be prepared properly. Otherwise, this most, that's where we get into trouble most of the time. And by the time you find somebody who can help you to fix it, it's kind of late. Okay? Um, I'll tell you a story. I had a guy who was my client. Well, his, his parents have been my client for 35 years. I watched a kid grow up from when he was a baby. He got in some tax trouble. He came to me to help him. I helped him, bailed him out, got everything fixed. And then a year later, he decided oh, to do bookkeeping and do his, his S-Corp tax returns. 
$4,200 a year is too much. So you went to some guy down the street. Well, the guy didn't prepare an S-corporation return. He just put all the income and schedule C. Claim a big loss. The guy got audited. And the IRS assessed him over 125000 in additional taxes. He came back to me a year later to try and help him. And that, that happened like five years ago. And he's still battling with the IRS to get that resolved. And, and the point I'm trying to make here, it's, you know, we can look at $4,200 to do bookkeeping for a whole year and prepare your tax return and say, that's too much. But I always say to um, clients that I come across like that, or taxpayers, you can either pay me now or you pay the IRS later. And that 125000 is worth IRS is trying to collect $180,000 today with the interest on penalties. And $4,200 could have saved them all that headache. And now he's also paying an attorney to try and get him out of it. Okay, which is another 10 grand. He called me last week and he says, Mr. Moore, man, this thing is getting too expensive. I said, I tried to advise you, but you thought $4,200 was too much. This happened five years ago. 42 times five is about 20,000. I'd rather pay 20,000 than pay $180,000, okay? And the point I'm trying to make, that's why you have to have the right person handling your tax situation. And let me back up what I'm talking about. The most audited part of a tax return is anyone who files a Schedule C. You file a Schedule C, there's a 99.9% .9 chance you'll be audited. That's the most audited, and you can research it. It's, it's IRS website. It's on the, that's the most audited type of tax return, sole proprietorship. And why? Because the IRS believes that most of these sole proprietorship are collecting cash, and they're not reporting it. But they report all the expenses, but not the income. So the IRS audit them. And one of the things the IRS do and I'll move on to the next session after I say this, is when you get audited, they're likely to do what is called a lifestyle audit. You never want to be in a lifestyle audit, okay? And the reason why you don't want to be in a lifestyle audit is they look at how you live, what you pay, what you own, to the point where they even run your credit, um, your credit report to see how you, and I'll tell you a story in a client of mine, who took multiple clients this has happened to. And they determine based on how you live for that year, how much income you had to make in order to pay these expenses. Unless you can show you got a loan to pay for it. So I had a tow truck. And you know, tow truck drivers, you break down, they collect cash. So I don't report his income, got audited. And he got, he got a lifestyle audit. And the IRS added 250000 to his income for that year based on the fact that he had a mortgage, he had car payments, and everything was paid on time, and he had the perfect credit report. Even, he didn't pay minimum on his credit, credit cards or his loans. And based on that audit, he ended up added, paying an additional tax on an additional $250,000. Okay? With that, is there any questions here? before I move on to the next section. I have a question. Um, this is Kerry. 
I know everything that you're saying is important and it's critical, but if there was one thing, one thing that you think we will need to know as far as new business owners or even if we're already in that position, what is one thing do you feel that we should know or we should do as a um, small business? I think we're getting there. And that is separating your business and personal assets. Okay, thank you. That's important because that becomes a big problem most of the time. And, and the IRS, you know, the, 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 the IRS, when you get audited and they start asking you to, to look at your expenses and you can't, they can't tell the difference between business and personal. It's easy to say something is business if it's, if it's on a business credit card or it's coming out of a business bank account. But to pay cash for it and say it's business, that's very hard. Because the next question is going to be, where did the cash come from? Show me where you got the cash. Is it revenues you made and they paid you in cash and you didn't report it? Or did it come from your personal bank account? So it's important that when you go in business, you separate your personal from your business. It's important. You open a business bank account, you get a business credit card, okay, you keep, you have bookkeeping records. 99% of the time, why most people lose in an audit is no bookkeeping, no records. And that's the most important if you're a business person. You must have some kind of bookkeeping. And I don't mean waiting until December 31st or January 15th of the next year and start scratching things on paper. Have some kind of organized bookkeeping. That's what I see as the biggest challenge that most business, most small business face. They don't have any records or they try to remember how much they spend and they just write on a, I get this all the time, a sheet of paper, you know, my advertising is two thousand dollars. My other expense is five thousand. And that's the worst thing you can do, because when you start putting round numbers on your tax return, you're gonna get audited every time. Because the IRS look at it and they say, Hmm, if this person was keeping record, there's no way everything could end with triple triple zero or double zero. That's not record keeping. This person is guesstimating. And then most times you get audited because of how the numbers look on your tax return. So bookkeeping, accounting is, is very, it's a, the most important thing you can do as a business owner is to keep your books up to date more than anything else. The two things, liability protection, bookkeeping and separate your business from your personal. If you get nothing out of what I, did, what I said today, those are the three most important things. Because you have to be able to, it, it's hard to go through your personal bank account and figure, well, this deposit was a business, this deposit is a, is a personal. Don't put yourself through that, okay? Open a business bank account, get a business debit card, get a credit card and use it. Do not use cash. Do, I just had a guy I take on as an auto mechanic and I realized all this cash withdrawal from his bank account. And I'm like, what is this for? He said, he used it to buy parts to repair 
the 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 cards because and I said why why didn't you use a debit card well you know a lot of this stuff was being you know I'm getting this stuff behind the scene that they only wanted cash that's bad because you can't prove that you use that to pay for parts you can tell me that but you can't prove it to the IRS if you get audited so that's that's just bad business okay and and any other question is it does that answer your question ma'am yes it does thank you very much Mr. Moore. Um, so, um, separating your business and your personal assets, those things are very important because um, it, 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 um, it's important and, and that's what a lot of times where most people get in trouble, okay? Um, next, I think that's the final section, am I correct? That is correct, Mr. Moore. That's the final slide. Are there any other questions anyone have? And then I'll just do a summary and wrap up what I talked about. I have a question. Yes, ma'am. Um, it's back to your earlier ones where you were the first slide, well, the second slide when you were talking about the different corporations. Mm -hmm. My question is, if you're currently a C-Corp, is there a form, is, this, is it the same form that you file to become an C-Corp? A C-Corp is automatic. So let, let me explain that a little bit. So when you register with the state, you either register as an LLC or you register as a corporation. If you register as a corporation with the state, the only thing you have to do after that is get an EIN number. You don't have to do anything else. You're automatically a C-Corp. And that is why I said earlier, a lot of people register and they come in and say, Mr. Mormon S-Corp, because I registered with the state and the state made me an S-Corp and I'm like, no, you didn't. The state made you a C-Corp. If you want to be an S-Corp, you have to file a 2553. So you can be a C-Corp, which is automatic if you form a corporation. And then to become, you can elect out of that to become an S-Corp by filing that form. But your status with the, 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 the state when you register is either LLC or corporation. That's one of, depending on whether you have ink after your name or LLC after your name. Okay. Now, most people in today's business, the only people who use the, the C Corp status, 99.9% .9 is publicly traded companies. And they have to because they're, they're, they're selling stocks and, they're tr and all of that. So they have to. But unless there's a real reason to be a C Corp, you shouldn't even think about it. Now, I have one client who's a, who's a C-Corp, and there's a reason why he's doing that. Now, there's some benefits to being a C-Corp, but then there's also the double taxation. So if you're going to determine if you want to be a, you're going to be a C-Corp, before you do it, please discuss it with a, a, a someone who understands the difference and the reasons why someone would want to set up a C-Corp versus an S-Corp. I had a client years ago when I was at Graw um, who had a C-Corp. Uh, she was a doctor, but she had a child that needed constant medical services. And because of the limitation placed on medical deductions, what she would do is set up a C-Corp where you have no limits on medical deduction. And if that was its sole purpose, and she had some income run through the C-Corp to pay for or a child's medical expenses. And it made a whole lot of sense. Otherwise, all that money she paid should have never gotten the deduction for it. So 
things like those, you have to look at the reason why you're doing it and not just say, I want to be a C-Corp, okay? Okay, and my last question is, if you're a sole proprietorship, are you mm-hmm. able to pay salaries? Yes, to yourself or to others. Okay. To um, well, I mean, to, uh, to others. To others, yes. Okay. But to yourself, no? If you're a sole proprietorship, you, pay, you can pay salaries to your employees, but paying salaries to, your, to yourself is meaningless because, as I said earlier, the net income after all deduction, including your employee's salary, is subject to Social Security taxes. You know, so there is, there's no need to pay a salary to yourself if you're a sole proprietorship because whatever leftover after, it's all your money. And you're going to pay tax on all of it. Okay. Does that answer your question, ma'am? Yes, it does. Thank you. I I, I have two questions. Yeah. Um, first question: How many um, EIN numbers can you obtain from the IRS? Are you allowed just one? Well, it depends on for one per business. One per business. So okay. if you have ten businesses, you can have ten. Right, because they're just using that EIN number to. Uh, okay. The next question. Let's say I obtain uh, my EIN number. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. I then now uh, went to register my business. So I registered the name of my business with the uh, with the IRS and my company, Kerry Williams LLC. This is just mm-hmm. hypothetical. Right. Now, when I went to SunBiz to uh, register my business, instead of me picking LLC, I chose sole proprietor, right? Well, you, um, you know, I'm probably in conversation with friends or something. Would that, um, would that be the same form that I fill out, that 2553 form to now be an S-Corp if I wanted to if, change, or that's a different form? No, if you're a sole proprietorship, Mm-hmm. Okay, you're you cannot go from sole proprietorship to escort. Okay, mm-hmm. sole proprietorship is only a fictitious name. Okay, and that name is not protected. So, which means somebody can come and steal. Well, they're not going to steal your name if it's Terry Williams LLC, right? But to get the name protected and no one else use it is it has to be an LLC or a, or or a corporation. A sole proprietorship, the only way you can register a sole is with a fictitious name. Understood. Unless you file as a single member LLC. So it's either okay. LLC or Corp. If you didn't use one of those, and, and let me, I'm, I'm not sure, I think I followed, you got, a, you got an EIN number, then you register with the state. Correct. You register with the state, then get an EIN number. That's the order. Yeah. Because okay. If, the, if okay. the state doesn't grant you the name, that EIN number is no good. It's no good. It's right. And it, it, it just creates a problem trying to get it fixed. Right. So, Make sure the state grants you the name before you you get an EIN right. number. Right, right, yeah. Thank you. Okay. Anyone else? Hi. Yes. Hi, I'm Shirley Evan. I have a question. Okay. Yes. So between an S and a C, uh, when you're paying yourself as an employee of the company, which mm-hmm. one is best? Between an S and a C. Yes. Well, it's S corporation every time. Okay. Okay. Unless there's a specific reason why you want to be a C corp. 
but S Corporation gives you all the flexibility, gives you all the protection you need, you know, gives you all the tax planning, all of that. So it gives okay. you a lot more flexibility and what you can do with your money and all of that. So that's the way you want to go. Even though you have to account for the profit um, of, of your company? Yes. Okay. And the reason is, remember, let me back up. On an S corporation, the, the, you have a salary, and then next, after your salary, you have your net income from the S corporation, which flows through to your personal return. Okay. Right. But that net income that's remaining after paying all your expenses is not subject to Social Security taxes, and that's where the tax saving comes in. Okay. Um, when you're comparing it to a sole proprietorship, a partnership, and a C corporation because of the double taxation with a C corporation. And, and if you look at the numbers, and I, I wish I'd, I'd, I'd put an example in there to show you what your tax saving is likely to be as an S corp versus a sole proprietorship versus a C corp. But it, it's the reason why most people are S corporation small business is for that reason. Okay? And you remain controlling your um, taxes and how much you pay. Yes, ma'am. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry too. Yeah, <laughs> and um okay, so um because uh, I've been at S corporation mm -hmm. and let's let's say I filed um several years as a C Corp. Um can I go back to being an S? Well you, you said you're an S corporation? Yes. But you file as a C Corp? Yes. How? I don't know how. That's what I was told. That well, then if you file as the wrong entity, you can always amend the returns and go back. Okay. Yes. Okay. Great. It, okay. It's always amendment. If you file the wrong tax return, you can amend the return and fix it, guys. Okay. okay. That option is you can go back three years and amend any tax return, whether it be personal or business, and file the right return. But I'm I'm actually surprised the IRS doesn't ask you for an S corporation return. Because usually if you don't file the return, the IRS let you know within at least a year that you didn't file your return. Okay? Okay. Anyone else? Okay. So in summary. Um, we start off by talking about the factors that you need to look at to determine, you know, what your business structure is going to be like. And we talked about the two most, I would say the three most important thing in the beginning there is limited liability, tax implication, and flexibility. And this corporation gives you all of those and then some. Okay. So if, if you're looking to choose an entity, um, that's the way to go. Now, if, if you're looking to be a minority business and register and get loans, it's important, it's good to be an entity. And here's another reason why you want to be an entity. Entities, the, the chance of being audited is almost slim to none, unless you're just doing something just out of whack. So you get additional protection from audits by doing your business through an entity. Okay, a formal entity, not a sole proprietorship, but even if it's a partnership, you're more protected 
if you're an entity as opposed to a sole proprietorship, okay? And that's why we recommend that. I have almost, if maybe I have one or two clients who still file a Schedule C, and they probably start up and they haven't decided which way they want to go yet. But 99% of my clients are S-Corps, and I have one C-Corp. I have two C-Corp, and the other one is a homeowner's association, and that is fine because they're HOA. But 99%, even if they walk in being a sole proprietor, I convert them immediately to an S-Corp because it's more beneficial. I had a lady, and I'll tell this story, who was with a CPA, came to me two years ago, and she was following the schedule she and she they are they're in the renovation business renovation hotels and for all these years the cpa would follow a, a, a schedule c but pay both the owners a salary the wife and husband and i never understood why they did that because it made as i said earlier if you're the owner and you follow a schedule c it don't take a salary because you're going to pay tax on the money anyhow. The problem with them taking a salary is that they pay Social Security taxes on the salary and the matching portion, and then they turn around and pay maximum Social Security on the profit. So they're paying taxes multiple times, more than they would have paid. I converted her to an S-Corp, filed her first return as an S-Corp, and showed the comparison of what her taxes would be, S-Corp versus sole proprietorship, and the number was over $50,000 less. And she just weeped in front of me. Just weeped because she couldn't understand for all these years, she was paying all this money and she owed the IRS all this money because of it. But nothing we can do to go back and fix it. And I say that, make sure you're using the right entity before you start, okay? And if you have a business currently, and you're not sure if you're being taxed the right way, take a look at it. It can be fixed. It's never too late. Okay? Don't give your tax dollars away. Okay? Don't give it away. There's a reason why there are these different types of entities for you to choose which one puts you in the best tax status. Okay? So taxation is important. And finally, once again, separate your business from your personal assets. Um, um, bookkeeping, 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 record keeping is important. And I can't say that enough. Most people fail audits or can't get a loan because they don't have good record keeping. Okay? Now, I thank you all for inviting me. I'll be around for questions. Esther, let's, I know you had some questions you wanted to ask me, so this is your time about I believe registering it in loans, whatever the case might be. No, it, my question was basically what I asked earlier about, you know, keeping your financial records um, so that you can you can get your business going, whether loans or or certification or getting contracts or that kind of stuff. And I think you basically explained it in. Okay. in but if there are no other questions left, I really want to say thank you so much for taking the time to give us um, this amazing um, presentation. I think um, most of us came away with something that we never knew before. Okay. And um, I am sure that we'll be inviting you again. We have um, 
other events like lunch and learn. I love lunch and learn. <laughs> <laughs> I used to do those. I used to do those in my as part of my marketing. I would okay. go to these offices, bring lunch, but now with everything going on, lunch and learn is even nicer on Zoom. <laughs> Definitely. This concludes our show. Thank you for listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction. For more information about NABWIC and our membership, please visit us on the web at www.nabwic.org. We are the voice of black women in construction. Have a great and prosperous day. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.